Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broncos country is riding back to Denver with the L and the Texans are celebrating Victory Monday. We're going to talk about that and more on this edition of the bullpen. Welcome. This is the bullpen. I'm James Roy. This is my partner in crime, my co-host, the man, the myth, the dude, Tom Chavaria. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm good, but I'm not great. You're still recovering from that, you know, the heart palpitations. I'm still recovering from the fact that there was a loss to the team yesterday. Oh, R.I.P. Dude, did you see? Uh, CJ Stroud's interview right after the game. I did. I I got emotional watching him answer that question. Like he was hurt. Yeah, he was, you could tell he's taking it hard. That Tank Dell is hurt, and I mean, I, I think the whole city of Houston is taking it hard. I mean, that that was a big part of this Texans offense, and also just overall a really cool guy. Just like someone that you want to succeed. His story is great. You know, University of Houston. To you know, he said, "I, can't, I chose to come to Houston." to be at UH and now keep me here, right? Is is like the whole, I mean, that's not the whole story, but it's just someone you want to root for. So I, I agree. It's, it's saddening to see, um, not to like jump from that into, but I do have a question based on that. So we'll just roll right in. Do you think that we can fill that void or do you think the Texans offense is going to suffer severely because of it? I think they have enough on the team to fill that void. I don't think winning one person can do it. Obviously, he was a big part of their offense and and different schemes that they like to run. I believe Noah Brown coming back is a huge bonus. I think John Mechie, I think you're going to see more Xavier Hutchinson. Those three guys may equal one. And the only reason that I was like thinking about it and why I brought it up right away is because the intro just shows Tank just scampering into the end zone so it's like there i am seeing him again going we won't see that again this year probably all of a sudden it's like oh just going through it no i agree i thought about that before we started i was like the, our whole intro is just a tank dell touchdown and now tank dell is out for the season that is awful but i mean that sets the record for rookie receiving touchdowns just it's hard to to capture what he does in any one player, I I agree that it could be like a a weird, uh, you know, grouping of receivers that could kind of f- carry that load. 
Um, particularly Noah Brown, to me, um, who is a player who kind of got his spark when Tank Dell was injured the first time. Um, I think he'll be the more major component of the players that kind of fill that void. He did have those 250-yard receiving games in a row. I think he's very capable of finding that. I think that this game back was questionable as to whether or not he was going to play. He was more of a game-time decision. Um, but I think that moving forward, we'll probably see a lot more Noah Brown. Now, speaking of the Texans receiving core, Nico Collins is currently nine yards away from a 1,000-yard season. What do you make of what he did today? Like, Is that just regular Nico Collins, or did he just step up because Tank was out? Like, What do you make of it? I feel like between CJ Stroud and Nico Collins, they are making a very good argument that Nico is all you need as an, uh, a WR1, and you don't have to go out and pay overpay somebody. You don't have to go draft somebody. I think this is this is a statement being made that he can be the guy that you know he has the tools and he can have monster games. Um, they have a great chemistry. Obviously, you know, there were some throws that CJ made that, you know, Nico made CJ look good. You know, if those throws are on the money, maybe it's even a bigger day. We're talking about, you know, a 200 yard day. Uh, I mean, all the receiving core is, is, is just showing what, what could be when you look at some of the numbers they're putting up. You talked about tank. He was going to set some rookie records that probably were going to be very hard to eclipse. And then you talk about Nico. Nico is going to finish the year with a big monster number that's going to might equal the first three years or whatever that he was a major contributor. So uh, really awesome stuff that we're seeing from this Texans receiving core. And uh, I I think, you know, while Tank hurts, you, you saw what his ability was able to do. I feel like there's a scenario where they don't necessarily miss a beat. They just get better with him included. Yeah, and, and I think it speaks to a thing that has been going on with the Texans all season where it's I and I, and I feel like this is one of those situations where we've learned from the past se- like the whole season that has happened so far and Texans spend I don't think are are playing chicken little here. But it's been this chicken little effect where like, oh, no, all our O-linemen are on IR. Oh, the sky is falling. And then the O-line kind of figures it out. And then, you know, you go through and you look at different position groups. Oh, linebackers, they're not even that great. And now, now there's injuries and blah, blah, blah. And then they pull it out. And then, uh, you know, the secondary, there's so many. Every single time that's happened, it's just been next man up. And I've spoken to how that that is incredibly cliche. But Nico, or, or sorry, not Nico, D'Amico Ryan's has been one to make me actually believe that he means it when he says the next man up is is what it is. So that's why I, I hate to see Tank Dell be injured. I don't think in the early onset it'll impact the Texans' production. Now, in clutch moments, in, in the big time, when a receiver needs to step up and make that play, is there a player that can do what, what uh, Tank has done for this team? Um, I think there are players on the roster. Is it as likely that it happens? That's what's going to be the question that needs to be answered because in, in, you know, leading through the rest of the season and into this push to try and make the playoffs. Um, I, I have no doubt that the Texans receiving core will play next man up and will step up and play the way they need to. Now looking on the other side of the ball, we'll, we'll get back to the offense, but I, I, it's important for me to mention two number three overall picks had really great games. And that was Derek Stingley, two interceptions, just absolutely just 
wrecked Russell Wilson. Just Russell Wilson couldn't find anyone open that Derek Stingley was covering. It was wild. And then you've got Will Anderson Jr., who got a lot of pressures. But more importantly, for those of you who only watched the stat sheet, he also got two sacks. It should have been three. Um, and I was calling for three, as you know, Tom. But you know, can't always get what you want, as you know, Rolling Stones once said. But what what do you make of this? Is this a breakout game, or is this a product of the opponent the Texans are playing? I definitely think this is a breakout game. I think we got what we need, much like the Rolling Stones said. Uh, I think that Will Anderson is going to be a dude that he's just going to get better and better over time. I think that this was always going to be the case as this defense got to gel. You see they're becoming hold in the secondary, which is making things easier for the, for the, the pass rush. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where you can really see when, when the team is whole, how one side helps the other side be better where you saw Will Anderson get his hand on the ball and there's Stingley to get that one pick. You know, in the same vein, I feel like the coverage was so much better that it's allowing these edge rushers to get home. There was one play that, that you were talking about that I think was was the third sack that we were calling for that Will Anderson gets there and, and Grenard is there to clean it up. Both bookends are there. And for me, it's just really exciting when you think about this defense. It's, it's starting to take the shape that we hoped it would for D'Amico, what he brought over from from the Niners, that that fast swarming defense. That I mean, this is a team in Denver that was five game winners. Russ was starting to cook, as they say, you know, let Russ cook. These, you know, Cortland Sutton was making a name, and the Texans defense was like, "Look, that's great, but you know, we're this we're this unit now that is is I think starting to get some some recognition and." It's not things something that other teams want to come in and play against. Now, as as uh, D'Amico Ryan said a couple weeks ago, I have the video clip. It's not an exact quote, but he said, it doesn't matter what happened in the past. We're the 2023 Texans. So I, I, I like that quote. I think it applies here. Now, looking, knowing what we know now, right? Look, you, you already mentioned, uh, you know, wide receiver one, it's filled. We're, we're not looking to pay any money for that. We're not looking to draft that, that position, in, in your opinion. I, I would hold that opinion, too, at this point. Um, looking at what happened on Sunday, the Browns lost. They now have the same record as the Texans. And based on schedule and, and what we know, it's likely the Texans will probably finish better than the Browns. Um, looking at the draft, you're, you're sitting there on draft day. Let's assume you have the 15th overall pick. Uh, w- there's been a lot of talk and a lot of people throwing around who the Texans should take. And, and this is very forward-looking. But now that we know what we know, you know, Will Anderson Jr. has a one, one and a half sacks less than J.J. Watt did his rookie season. He's trending up. He's doing well. Looking at what the Texans need, what position group are you looking at in the first round of next year's draft? I absolutely believe that uh, Nick Casario and co. will take the best available player. It, this is always what I think he wanted to be able to do, is not have to fill holes and just go out to get great talent and be able to build on top of great talent. So for me, if a great edge rusher falls to them, they're going to take them. If a great interior lineman falls to them on the offensive side, they're probably going to take them. If a great wide receiver falls to them, or they can maybe move up a couple spots to get a great wide receiver, they're going to take them. So Nick is going to probably maneuver and manipulate some of his draft capital to see, maybe move back. I know if he's coming from the Patriot way, so to speak, 
sometimes they they're they're able to move back gain draft capital while still getting the guy they want so it'll be interesting i'm not looking i'm not looking that far ahead but i i'm very excited about the draft i can't wait to get there because this is going to be a team that, that there's going to be a lot of buzz around regardless of what happens in the last five games and now you get to add another impact piece well tom i really like that that you gave that answer especially considering we both know you don't like to look too far ahead it's one game at a time <laughs> you know we'll get there when we get there as mr incredible once said um, but I, I like your answer on what Casario is feeling because I think every GM desires to do that. At, at the good teams, the truly great teams are picking so late in the first round. Usually that they, they're just taking the best player available. There's very few instances past, you know, the top 10, top 12, where, where you're actually looking to fill a specific need and maybe reaching on a player that you think fills the need that your team has. So being able to take the best player available is is great um there, there are some that would argue with you now the discussion around the texans draft has has varied but i'd say wide receiver one tight end and and defensive interior have dominated that discussion um but we're getting ahead of ourselves like like you say like i, and I agree with you on this one that, that that was just something that came to my mind but let's focus back in on this texans broncos matchup uh alex singleton rushes right down the middle false start and just beelines for C.J. Stroud, gives him a little shove. And um, C.J. Stroud, as they say, as Drewski says, um, is a man who stands on business. And so he give, you know, stands up. And, you know, I there's a lot of things to like about that play. My personal favorite is the offensive lineman seeing this and sprinting to his aid. What do you think that moment tells you about C.J. Stroud that we don't already know about him? I think the the moment really tells you that although he's kind of mild-mannered, although he's kind of soft-spoken, there's a bit of dog in him and you're just not going to, you know, and, and his post-game, he said it, you're not going to get in my face in my house. You know, this is my house. And he loved that his guys had his back, but he was, he was going to let Singleton know exactly how he felt and how you weren't going to disrespect him. And that's kind of something that I don't think we see enough of. You know, he probably emits that a little bit, you know, in his demeanor and the way he carries himself, but you never really see him really get really loud. Sometimes you see him frustrated, but this was a, this was a no, 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 no. I'm, I'm pushing back. And I thought that was really good. I, I think you need to see that. You see guys like Patrick Mahomes do that sometimes. I think Pat's a little, you know, flamboyant. And I think that rubs people the wrong way. So that gets, you know, that, that gets people John back and forth. CJ, you really don't have any reason to do that. So the fact that Singleton went out of his way to try to get at him a little bit. And then here comes CJ right back at him going, uh, not here. We're not doing this. It, it's, it's refreshing. You want that. You want that edginess from your players. No. Yeah. It, it's nice to know. Like, and I think we already knew going to this, like CJ is passionate. He, he cares about the game and he's there for his guys and he's earned the leadership of the locker room. And so that the big things like I, we already knew that the locker room loves and appreciates him and, and was behind him from day one. So, I, I mean, a product of that is what we got from the offensive lineman on that play, them coming to his aid so quickly. Not like, you know, if that was Zach Wilson and we were looking at the jets, the offensive lineman might've just stood there and been like, good luck, dude. See you later. <laughs> but it, you know, it's CJ Stroud. He's the leader in the locker room. And so with, with that, what another thing that I want to talk about since we're talking about CJ Stroud is is his performance today. 274 yards, a touchdown, pretty pretty solid overall performance. A little 
low in the completion percentage block, but that's okay because we won the game. And so, you know, you, you can nitpick the statistics all you want, but the deeper question is, is what do you make of this performance from CJ? Is it, is it even keel? Is this just what you expected? Is it an, an exceptional, outstanding performance? How do you, how would you grade or describe CJ's performance today or on Sunday? I, and, and it, we talked about it in the PSF app, like, we had to take a moment like he missed some throws that probably would have generated bigger plays, bigger numbers, more gaudier stat lines, probably would have made the game not as close as it was. And he still went out and had numbers wise a, a very, very good game. I just think we're starting to get comfortable with him being at a certain level, like a 300 yard day for CJ's standard now i mean it really feels that way uh 274 seems kind of light um i mean you're just so used to him being able to put up some numbers and i don't think he had a bad game i just think it, it was kind of like down from what we're accustomed to seeing and uh I, I, again if that's a bad game we're, we're in for a very good run for however long that goes you know, you look at some of the other quarterbacks around the league, and I was looking at some of the numbers, and CJ's, you know, circling them. You know, you're you're talking about guys that were that were drafted with ideas of being starting quarterbacks in the league, and they're just not, you know, Desmond Ritters of the world and and Mac Jones and, and well, he wasn't even playing, but you know, his backup. Some of these guys are just not able to generate offense for their teams. And the pedestrian game for cj's 274 and a score you know like it's pretty pretty awesome on our end yeah and, and i feel like you know to speak from the perspective of someone who i know you don't like to talk about cj stroud as an mvp candidate because it's just not what this is about where the the texans one game at a time to get into the playoffs winning the super bowl there's 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 deeper goals in mind than that and you know but i i like to talk about it so i'll bring it up um, the way, the way I think a lot of people that are less than impressed with this because they're looking at the stat sheet or watched the game and didn't like what they saw are, are at that point where they're looking at CJ Stroud as an MVP candidate and they're disappointed relative to that expectation as a rookie, as, as a quarterback who has performed really well relative to that performance this season, this is not a bad performance from CJ. And if this is CJ's floor, he's still most certainly in the MVP candidacy. I know it's not based on other performances we've seen from in this season. Um, but like, if this is just a run-of-the-mill C.J. Stroud performance, I'm super satisfied with it. Um, MVP is, is a nice-to-have. C.J. Stroud being the franchise quarterback of the Texans for years to come and showing that he's capable of producing at a consistent level in his rookie season is incredible, and I'll take it any, any given day and twice on Sunday, especially twice on Sunday, because if it's twice on Sunday, that's the day it needs to be especially if you're the Texans because you only play at noon on Sundays. <laughs> um, but so looking at this game, uh, I guess talking in that same vein, talking about ugly wins, beautiful wins, the Texans have given a lot of reason for Texans fans to stress with these close games. What do you, so you talked to it earlier about how the Texans have like had a couple of opportunities to pull away that pass to Mechie that he sailed. Um, there, there's a couple of, of instances where this game probably just should have been put away and wasn't. Do you think that that matters in the grand scheme of things? Or is it just the Texans got the win, they'll work on it, we'll see them get better in the future? Well, first, I want to say, I, I, it's not that I don't love talking about 
the idea of CJ Stroud being MVP. I would love that. However, I just don't want that to get like to cloudy all the the, the things, right? It's it's so easy to forget. He's a 22 year old rookie who's, who's making all this happen with a rookie head coach and a rookie offensive coordinator, and then we get tied up in what we think he should get. I think that's all gravy. You know what I mean? It's absolutely gravy. It's 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 it's, it's a real in the realm of possibilities right now that C.J. Stroud could absolutely be in that conversation. Um, I've seen a lot of people buzz Tyree Kill, and rightfully so. That guy is an animal who's doing incredible things every week. Uh, it feels like a hundred yards and two scores Tyreek every time. Just, just book it. Uh, but as far as the CJ stuff goes, I think he would tell you, I think everybody would tell you it'll be cool, but it's not what he plays for. And for me, it'll be cool, but it's not what I look at when I'm looking at the Texans. It's, it's, I feel like the people that want to do this and I'm not talking about you, I'm just talking about in general, the people that want to have these conversations are just like the people that go, well, Will Anderson only has so many sacks or Derek Stingley only has so many interceptions. And that's like a metric for them. You know what I mean? Just like the MVP is like a metric. And I just don't want that. I'd rather just the team get better. And if that happens, it'll all take care of itself. And then Will will have 10 sacks. Uh, uh, Sting will have, you know, six picks. And CJ will have three MVPs and, and two rings. I don't know. That, that would sound good to me. But it's not like I wake up going, man, I need CJ to get this MVP. Yeah, and and look. I did all that. Didn't answer your question. (laughs) (laughs) I always reference it when I talk about the MVP race. It's just that with 2014 in mind, you know, like I I try and temper my expectations on that because there's so many other factors that go into it aside from him being really great at quarterback. And so, yeah, I just try and temper my expectations. But I'll let you answer the other part of the question now. (laughs) If I can remember, can can you remember what the question was? It was it was something about the uh, the remainder of the season, right? Something like that. Yes, yes. Okay. So, how do you think the Texans will do the rest of the season? We'll say that that was the question, and then when we look back, we'll laugh. And I think they're going to be. Your... I think they're going to be favored in every game. I think that if if there's no there's never a time for an injury like what happened to Tank Dell. There's never a time for it, but. If it had to happen, if there's any chance for him to come back in a playoff game or something like that, this was that spot because you start looking at what they have going, the quarterbacks are going up against. None of them are better than Russell Wilson. Okay. This defense did a number on Russell Wilson. Granted, in our house, three weeks in a row at home, can't state that enough. That That's a game changer. Um, but you know, going to the going on the road to Tennessee and and Indy is probably not going to be a big deal. You know, CJ played all his games in Ohio State, cold weather. You know, it's probably not that that the outdoors probably not a big deal. So I feel like there is every expectation that should, they should win three, at least three, maybe four. You know, three and two over the next five is absolutely probably the minimum, which is a ten win season, which is phenomenal. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I remember what the deeper part of the question was about. When you talk about pretty wins versus like ugly wins, this this was kind of an ugly win in a lot of ways. Um, the defense had to kind of bail out the offense in a lot of ways, and 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 vice versa. There was there was a couple things that went wrong in situations where the game could have been put away. Do, are, I ask you this. I feel like every week now because of how these games have been going. But how much stock do you put in the fact that we haven't? 
learned how to win like a pretty win do you still think that that matters because when i talk about that in the past i'm referencing it in regards to like being concerned for how the texans will do in the playoffs but i mean do you does that concern you or no it doesn't concern me because again they're all learning this process this is year one of this of this rebuild if you want to call it that if it's even that anymore i don't know if we're still rebuilding exactly yeah yeah exactly so when you think about it and we've talked about it on PSF. We've talked about it in past episodes. This is something that I feel that you have to learn to do to be able to put your foot on somebody's neck and not, and not give them the opportunity to make it a competitive game. The great teams, the really good teams are able to do that. But if you watch the Niners uh, Eagles game today, you know, Eagles score a touchdown. Okay. They're within, you know, 14 points. All right. If they get a stop, maybe this thing turns around and what do the Niners do? They just go right down the field and go score. And it's a 21 point game and it was basically over. And that's something that I think is a learned thing. That's not something that you just show up and do. It's, it's having that extra level of attention to detail. New England was notoriously great for it. Every time you thought you were back in the game, they'd put those points on the board right there when you thought you could make a move to make sure that there was no doubt. And I think this is something that the Texans can achieve and, and get to. And I think in the future, we will see them put teams away. I think it's awesome that right now they're able to be in these games and close them out. That's a skill too in itself, right? Having the having the ability to get the stop, having the ability to make the the, the game uh, game winning drive, you know, the the, the go ahead drive. Those things are things you have to go through those battles too. So this is all on the job training for these guys, which is great because they're all so young. The sooner they get this under their belt, the the sooner they get to the point where it's like, okay, we know we need to hit this gear to get this score, to get this game out of here. And then we're just sitting back and, you know, six minutes left of the fourth quarter watching desperate teams do desperate things, turning over the football and whatever. Yeah. And, and over the course of the season, I've kind of come to terms like that. I asked that question a lot. And when I, towards the beginning of the season, I was like, well, I'm just concerned because this team could get good and I want them to do good in the playoffs. But now at this point with the resiliency they've shown, and the way that they've you know overcome adversity throughout this season, I'm, I'm less concerned about it than I was, you know, earlier in the season as playoffs became like more of like the goal, or I, I not I shouldn't say the goal, the poss- a possibility, um, a real possibility. Um, on, on that note, I want to move into going over the bullpen parlays from this past week. So mine again was not good. Um, I. I looked at the Broncos defense. I, I made the same mistake the Texans did against the Panthers. I played the Broncos defense instead of playing the talent the team has. Um, I, I hit with Cortland Sutton on over half a touchdown on an anytime touchdown. So that was solid. Um, I, it, it didn't feel good in the moment watching it happen, but I was right. So there you go. Um, I hit, I picked uh, Tank Dell for over on half a touchdown. That that one would have was a race. They they cut that one, but my other pick was uh Devin Singletary on over fifty nine and a half yards rushing. And um if you watch the game, you'd know he did not uh <laughs> he did not even sniff that. So so I am now 0 for two. Tom, what what how did you do? I did well. I had CJ. I thought CJ's number was too low. I actually I actually did not get the number that I put on the video, I put 265 and a half. It went to 269 and a half within like two hours of the video when I went to actually go play it 
Didn't matter. CJ got there anyway. It was close. It was really close. Got there anyway. Uh, I had Nico. (laughs) I don't have to tell you about Nico. Nico got it like right away. And then uh, I had one of the, and I can't remember for whatever reason, I had one of the pass catchers. I think I had Judy, but I, I yeah, I you may were ha- talking about how you had Jerry Judy over forty six and a half or something. Forty six and a half, yeah. He barely got there, but he got there. Um, did he get that other reception? He did. He did towards the end of the game. It was it was interesting because like I really expected, and I think a lot of people really expected Denver to be able to move the football. You know, the last uh, there was there was a, a stat that I saw where. There'd been over 600 yards of offense between the two teams in each of the last three games the Texans were in. So Denver coming in winners of five in a row, Russ doing Russ things all of a sudden. I was sure that they would be able to move the football. Russ did not have a good game. He, I think he only went through for like 189 yards and a touchdown. Like if we feel bad about what CJ did, they got to feel awful about what Russ did. To be fair, in fantasy, I... Um, depending on how your league factors sacks, um, Russell Wilson scored more points than CJ Stroud, mm. which was interesting to see. Um, I think it was the rushing touchdown that did it. That's probably what helped him out. Um, but as as we've learned over the past two weeks, I'm 0-2, Tom is 2-0. and um, So Tom is the one you want to take advice from when it comes to these matters and not me. Um, <laughs> but... On that note, Tom, do you have anything else to say about this Texans Broncos victory Monday matchup? No, it was a good win. It came at a cost. Uh, excited to see this team go down the stretch and really fight for a position in the playoffs with the way the game shook out with Cleveland losing, with Pittsburgh losing. I mean, they're right there. And and the only thing that would have been better is if Indy would have lost because they're right there too. So but, um, you know, the Texans get them again, so that'll be a big game. Um, I'm going to the Cleveland-Texans uh, game Christmas Eve, so hopefully that's that's of the three wins. I need that one. I need, well, to, be, I need to see the win. Knowing how things have gone this season, the Texans are 0-1 when I'm in attendance. And have, <laughs> have you been to a game before this Cleveland one? Not this season. So, so knowing how things go on this podcast, when you go, they'll win. Yes. So we, we need to, you know, if they win the Browns game with you in attendance, we need to start a fundraiser to get you to every single other home game this season. I'll so, gladly uh, pitch in to that fundraiser. <laughs> he said, I'll gladly <laughs> accept any help getting tickets to a Texans game. Meet y'all um, in the all, middle. All I have to say is when we were talking about it live on PSF, um, I made the comparison between Tank Dell being injured and uh, the Albert Hainsworth, Matt Schaub, uh, fiasco in 2011 and so I, I sure hope that that doesn't impact this team in the same way um, it would take a lot but in the moment that's where I was at but as, as Tom and many of you know I like to talk about Matt Schaub a lot more than most people do um, so <laughs> maybe that's just why it came to mind I, I might be an outlier there but it's been real it's been fun this has been a great show um, thank you all for listening Uh, I am at M1 Texans fan. If you want to find me on social media, TikTok, uh, you know, X, as both Tom and I love to refer to it as, because we firmly have put Twitter as a name into the ground, six feet under. No, we call it Twitter. It's Twitter. And uh, Instagram. So you can find me there. Tom is uh, at Third Coast Tom on Twitter. So find him on there. 
And uh, it, the PSF app, we've referenced it throughout this show. If you're wondering what that is, it is an app that is the future of sports fan viewing, sharing, chat experience stuff. Um, it, it's really great. There's chat rooms for each team. We're in the, the host of the Texans chat. So there's live streams during games. There's uh, midweek shows on certain channels. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a great way. I, I loved the stream this this uh, past week on Sunday because we had a lot of people in the chat and it was good. There was a lot of banter. I, I felt like it was pretty much what the app was meant to be. Um, th- th- this past week was Tom and I's last game live unless one of us or both of us find time on the holidays to do it. That uh, Those slots are not taken yet um but yeah go ahead and download the psf app down uh get into the texans chat and start talking texans today um also uh i do that every week i keep i feel like i i keep going like also and then there's more but wait i feel like billy may <laughs> but wait there's more guys there's not more uh, just like comment subscribe follow us if and let us know what you think we Take constructive criticism, as you can tell if you're listening and you don't have to change the volume on your car every time one of us starts talking. That that was feedback from, from you guys, so thank you for that. Um, until next time, uh, stay classy, H-Town. Vamos, Texans! Thanks for tuning in to The Bullpen, a Texans podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. Please like, comment, subscribe, and follow along for more Texans talk from the bullpen. Take the hand up. Stroud. Looking. Stroud.